hearkens thine ears to the tune of the cast. The cast paused all day for the glory. Season dose. Methuselah. What, what? Groomed her pet Leviathan. Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Salty Dogs Podcast. I have to be. The SDP and the ICT. Teddy Roosevelt. Hear ye, hear ye. While we cast all of our pods upon you. Purify your hearts, you wicked, double-rinded. Hey, <laughs> hey, did you um, did you hear about the peanut that was walking through Central Park? It was I, I, assaulted. I, <laughs> this happens. Somebody threw, a dangerous threw sodium chloride at me, and that's assault. So, <laughs> hey, you're the one that started with a dad joke last time, Fine. so I had to follow up with a stupid dad joke. But we're dads, so we can make jokes like we that. all. I am a dad. You're right. Dang. So when I met you in 2010, was that when it was? Mm-hmm. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And then it took you how long of me knowing you to get married and have a kid and get your crap together? <clears throat> we had to find the right women, I guess. Or they had to find us. Speaking of the right women, well, hold on. Before that, before we move into that, <laughs> the right women, or yeah, before we talk about the right women. <laughs> so check it out. Mitchell Talbot okay. on Facebook says, Hey guys, just dropping by to show some love. I have a seven hour drive every week from Calgary to Northern Alberta for work. Wow. Canada, baby. That's commitment. We're crossing national lines. Commitment. International. I want to talk about Mr. Talbot, not about us. Okay, so check it out. Seven I listen, hours. I listen to your stuff, podcast, and it's dot, 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 real, comma, man, period. So I assume it's... It's real, man. Real good or real bad? No, it's real. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. It's stuff like this that helps me want to dive further in. Dang. Just pointing people to the Lord, man. That's what we do. Hey, man. That's pretty sweet. Isn't oh, that pretty cool? I always like receiving comments. And, no, it's great. Yeah. So, Mitchell, thanks for hitting us up on Facebook. We're so grateful to hear from our listeners. Yeah. And so, hey, hope, check this out. I also hope that your cheeks turn rosy red. <laughs> Every time we mention somebody on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope, I'm gonna hope amongst hope, Re- rosy hope, red cheeks for all our listeners, right. <laughs> because yeah. hope doesn't disappoint, right? Yep. So you know how every time we come on the podcast, I have something new. I mean, so alleged, actually, have, allegedly, but yeah. Oh, okay. We are recording, kid. Okay. <laughs> on our website, saltydogspodcast.com, we now have a contact us page, which we've had a contact before. But actually list out all the ways people can reach out to us. It's in Facebook. It's in depth. Email. In depth. Right. In depth. I talk about um, our Patreon account a little bit. And so. Which we still have. We do have. Nice. Yeah. And we'll have to, we'll have to give a shout out to our, to our Patreon, our our two Patreon supporters out there. I thought you were about to say Patreon. We'll, (laughs) we'll, we'll we'll drop a line to them later. We are hashtag ending patriarchy yet again. Really. Second time this season. Yeah. Eat your heart out, Porsche and Candy. Yeah. Really just, you know, promoting. You thought you were the dynamic duet. Oh no. (laughs) We have two sisters in the Lord. No, literally they are sisters. They are two sisters from the same and mother. the first spouse. The first spouse on the podcast. Yeah. Well, spouse of the one of the hosts. Spouse on the podcast. Young spouse Jill. of the what, host. Young Jill's day is coming. Jill's day is coming, but she Kim, doesn't know that. Kim's day is here. Say hi, Kim. Hi, Kim. 
You, so, Classic. So my wife is on the Classic. podcast, and she's like giving me these like I can't believe this is my husband look beyond the pop filter. I couldn't believe you were my husband either. <laughs> so check it out, Christine Smith. Hi, Christine. What's up? There and, she is. And Kimberly Villanueva. Villa Nueva. Villa Nueva. Can you say it? Villa Nueva? Villa Nueva. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. Wow. This one started out really fun. <laughs> no, it's great. It is great. So check it out. Um, season one, there's an episode. 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 Uh huh. Episode. Episode. It's our new episode of Salty mm, Dogs Podcast. It See? It was a. It's because of all the assaulting you did before. You <laughs> really just salting the ham down. Oh, yeah. Season one, there's an episode called Spiritual Mothers and Fathers. And that was our first episode ever of ending patriarchy when Christine was on. Mm. Wow. She broke the glass ceiling. Wow. Yeah. At the She's podcast real, table. Really a forerunner. And, oh, yeah. It yeah. is now everyone's floor. <laughs> that's right. She, mm-hmm. That's right. She came and prepared the way of the Lord. So, <laughs> so we talked to her about um, Spiritual Mothers and Fathers. And I was like, I thought it was a really great episode. And I knew that there was certainly more that we could go into concerning that. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon, and it was called Walking in the Spirit, and really what it was talking about was just kind of stepping more into your destiny, which means seeking the Lord's will for every area of your life, family, friends, um, workplace, children, just these different spheres of influence, these mountains, right? Um, and so I spoke this message. At the end of the sermon, Christine comes up to me, and she says, hey, I have a follow-up sermon. And so then she um, sends me this PDF which is a, a chart that you guys can download. The link will be in the show notes. And uh, it's a PDF that talks about the heart of slaves and orphans versus the yeah. heart of sons. Yeah, and to preface that, you need to really take a look at the at the PDF. If you're going to listen to – I mean, you're obviously listening to this episode. But uh, you need to you need to download that PDF or look at it real quick to see, uh, to see the content that we're – that's pretty sweet, though. We have content that we can attach to. We're it's, coming up, bro. It's all because of me. So we're coming up, and the women just high fived each other. They did. Yep, that's awesome. But yeah, anyway, uh, so, download that PDF. It's important. It's yeah, important. it's important to take a look at because we're going to be we're, what we're talking about today is going to come from this this PDF. Um, so yeah, Christine taught this sermon. And she spoke and it was like really amazing. She did it while she was sick too, like sniffling and everything. And then just still dropping the word of the Lord on everybody. Um, But it was so good. And I was like, we need to make that a podcast because I think it's so important. This whole idea of the slave slash orphan mentality versus having the mentality of a son. So I'm going to allow Christine to, to open up. And talk to us just a little bit about the the concept in general, and then we're going to take some time and we're going to just kind of work down this list. We took a moment and highlighted some of the these things that really stood out to us. And so really this is kind of a compare and contrast of, so this is how a slave feels about God, and this is how a son feels about God or thinks about God. And so it's just this mentality, this perception. And so, Christine, go ahead and tell us a little bit about this just subject in general, why it's huge to your heart, how maybe you see that it's an issue in the body. There's, again, orphans and the slave mentality versus true freedom as sons of God. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is uh, something that I have seen recently um, in the body of Christ. This is not a, a new subject by any means. I mean, it's all over the word um, in the Bible. And we we see a lot that talks about being um, adopted into God's family and being sons and being um, 
even sons with Jesus being the firstborn. And what happens, though, is you look around the body and you have a whole lot of people who are really functioning as orphans still. Even though we have been adopted, we're functioning as orphans instead of functioning as sons. And so what I see is um, is that this subject, it goes to the very heart of maturity as well as intimacy and responsibility. And so I, I've, I've seen a lot of people, as I've been ministering the last couple of years, just seen a lot of people who are still very much in chains and don't even know it. And so I was thinking about, um, <clears throat> kind of like I talked about uh, when, I, when I taught about this, I kept thinking back to orphans that I know, okay, because a good friend of ours um, has adopted several orphans. And one of the things that you see is that even when they're adopted, it takes a while to get them out of this orphan mentality, that they might have one thing down that they get that, yeah, I, I'm adopted. Yeah. So have- these are these are literally orphans from like India, Africa, China, right. that are being adopted into families, and they're having to make this transition of coming out of an orphanage right. into actually living with a family. Mm-hmm. And right. knowing what it's like to be a part of a family. And not only um, being part of a family, but even being like their family and um, being loved as family and being wanted and... Um, being responsible and all of this, you see kids who first come out of it um, not able to function under authority because they they run from any kind of authority because they're not used to someone having that role in their life. That's deep. And so if you think about how that relates to us as Christians, we have people who run from author- the authority of God because they see it as bad instead of you know, that orphan's parents, you know, I'm thinking of, of Stella, okay? Stella, I'm going to talk about the Workmans yeah. because these are close friends to me, and um, I, I see their kids every week, you know? And so Stella, she came from Burundi, gorgeous little girl. That's in Africa, by the way, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Some people don't know. Some people really don't. I mean... It's true. It's a very tiny country, and it's not very well known. It's one of the poorest in the world. And it's also war-torn as well. For sure. Anyway, um, so she comes from this orphanage, and she came at five years old. So she knew being an orphan. Like most of us, I mean, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know. I mean, even people who grow up in the church half the time don't know they're they're a son. And so anyway, I didn't know I was a son for a long time, right? And she was adopted. And when she came, she would always... um, try to overstep boundaries, like see how far she could go. And I remember not even knowing how to respond to her because I'm like, whoa, uh, uh, what do I do with this girl who's saying no to me and she's a new one and that's all she knows is the word no because she doesn't even know the language. And and it was really interesting how she would continue to press boundaries just to see how far she could go. But somehow it was her desire for love to do that, which is really interesting because what kids do is they see how much you love them by putting boundaries on them. And the more you put boundaries on them, the more they start to understand they're loved actually, which you would think would be the opposite, but it's not. And that's how we are even 
as Christians, as, as adopted sons, we test God and we go, how far can I go? How far yeah, can I go? Right. And when he goes, honey, you don't do that. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, you, you do, you care about that, huh? You really care about me in that way. And, and it becomes something hard, but wonderful. Because then when he starts to show you more of how he cares about you and more boundaries, we get these boundaries from God. And people who are in the orphan mentality and the slave mentality think the boundaries are terrible. You know, they think, oh, I don't want boundaries. Boundaries, this, this is terrible for me. Why would God do that to me? But if you're a son, you recognize that he's doing that because he cares about you and he doesn't want you to get hurt. Right. You know, my dad pulling me back from the street is something that is really good for me, even though it takes me off Yeah, when I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm an adult, I'm like, God, oh, I'm glad he saved my Such life. Such is the problem of our, of our culture, of our society, of everything right now is a complete... Bucking utter, authority. Com- complete and utter defiance in the name of, oh, well, you know, he's, he's just not letting me be me or, you know what I mean? Like just right. boundaries as a bad thing Stripping because, it, because it limits me and, you know, what I want to be. And so therefore God is either not real or he's a, you know, like just, I don't want to serve a God he's, like that. He's something to make fun of or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Kim, what do you have to say about this topic just in general overall? How do you see the slave son thing kind of maybe play out in your life? Maybe a point where you started to realize, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, or how you maybe see that that's a, a stronghold in the in the body of Christ, not really functioning as sons. I don't know that there was a specific time that I felt like, oh, all of a sudden I'm a son, but I know there's a specific time that I went to God and I said, hey, this hasn't been working out with me doing it the way I want to do it. I'll give you, I gave him an, a year and that was in 2012. It was like January 1, 2012. I said, I'll give you a year. I'll do it your way. Um, you give God the ultimatum. He's like, oh, it's on. I don't know that it was an ultimatum, but it was kind of like, I'll try it your way. Like, yeah. I see what your word says, and I see that there are people who have fruit from this, and I've bucked it for so long that I came to a point where it wasn't working out the way that I wanted it to work out, doing it my own way. So I said, hey, God here's a year and the year has turned into five years, you know, yeah. seven, however many years it is, six years. A lot of years. I can't, I can't do math. Listen, a lot of years. For the spirit is some not years. math. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so this is, this is kind of some of that, but it's just come with time and with developing that personal relationship, because I'll tell you, I think that becoming a son and knowing yourself as a son really comes from intimacy with the Father and with Jesus. And there's so much to be said about that. Right. And it's not something that you can strive for. It's not something that you can go through the motions. Well, I read this much and I pray this much. And so then I get this. It's not an equation. Right. It is like seriously relationship. And yeah. And And not to interrupt, but even what's interesting to me is uh, the story of the prodigal is uh, when he came back, the first thing he wanted to do was be a slave in his master's house rather than. Oh, yeah. He wanted to be a servant. Yeah. And so when I think of that, I think of orphans, obviously, and and the father. But I think of uh, many of us uh, who have taken a, (laughs) you know, who have tasted and seen a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, he knew he was a son and uh, left the other way, honestly. And there's a lot of us and I'm one of them. And uh, so when I talk about this specific issue, that's what I'm thinking of, too, is, 
you know, not only orphans and, and, and the relationship to, you know, new parents or a new, a new relationship with the fathers were adopted, but also those who have seen the, 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 the fruit of a, of relationship and then right. also went the other way. Yeah. And so, and so Kim hit on it too, because she said it's, it's not, it's not born of works. It's born of intimacy. Exactly. And you referenced the prodigal son mentality. story. And so, yeah, our you've mentality got the, is okay. Well, you've got, well, I've done this. You've got the son be, to, in to the field back, yeah. who said, have I not done everything that you've asked me? And then the father said, I've always been with you. Number one. And everything I have is yours, number two. And so it's just an, an issue of relationship. Had mm-hmm. he really truly known the heart of the father, he'd have known that he could have asked for a fattened calf. Yeah. And the father or said, a big screen could have had whatever. Or a big screen TV. <laughs> or what? A big screen. <laughs> a big screen TV? Oh, okay. <laughs> what if I wanted goat for dinner? Gosh darn. <laughs> so, born. <laughs> Kim rolled her eyes at me. Um, she rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> Super hard roll. So. So talk real quick, just a little bit about that, that mentality being born out of intimacy versus like striving to achieve or do things in order to be accepted. Well, I think it's just like any parental and child relationship. You spend time with each other and you get to know each other on an intimate level. You can finish each other's sentences. My son, who's 12, Henry, he can go and he knows what my reaction will be if he crosses certain boundaries that are mm. set. He knows what they are and he knows that he won't represent me in that way. Yeah. You know, and it comes from having this loving, intimate relationship. I care about him. I do correct him when he's wrong. I praise him and I. I encourage him when he does things that are right and and I just I know I'll I'll talk as a parent I know that he will represent me well and because he's my son and he is a representation of me and he is a reflection of me when I'm not around when I'm not there other people aren't seeing me they see me through him and that's what this is about that's where that intimacy comes and it comes from that relationship and I can't explain it any easier and it's not some tangible thing that we can put our fingers on this is a spiritual matter yeah and it has to do with engaging the living god the father the son and the holy spirit and like really getting to know him and that doesn't mean only reading scripture and that doesn't mean only Praying and asking for things because those are because that's a, that's a way that we relate to him. Or I guess I guess those are things that we do sometimes and often like me. Okay, well if I just if right. I just because that's well, striving, then, right? Yeah, and they're disciplines and they're good things. Yeah, but when you start doing them out of compulsion because you feel like you have to, yeah, that's when you're operating as a slave. Yeah, and maybe we should maybe we should start from that point right there because we just talked about it. And there's a point on here. It says the motive behind Christian discipline. So let's go ahead and Jason, if you want to read off both, yeah, of those, the heart of the slave and the heart of the son. Yeah. So I was. I was just looking at that one, the motive for, uh, behind Christian discipline. So the heart of a slave or an orphan um, sees their motive as duty and earning God's favor, or they have no motivation at all. And the heart of a son ha- does Christian disciplines for pleasure and delight. Mm. And so 
you said it. It's making those statements. If I just, or I need to, well then versus I want to. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah, I want to dig into scripture because I want to know my father more deeply. I want to know his heart. I want to know how he interacts with people. I want to know what he's doing as opposed to saying, I need to do this because this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. How many times have you sat in some sort of Christian home group and you've talked about spiritual disciplines or reading your Bible or praying and everybody around the room confesses. Yeah. I should probably read my Bible more. Yeah. I should probably pray more. Yeah. I need to, I need to, and you you get this, they're feeling guilty. Slave mentality. Right. That's what it is. It's that slave mentality that they're feeling everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people do that. And I remember when I did that, you know, I remember when I would feel bad if I didn't get in my uh, second daily devotion. I'm like, what? Now I look back and go, what was I even thinking? How could I feel such guilt for that? That doesn't even make sense. And that is not how we should be. Now, I probably read less scripture now than most of my Christian walk, and I'm way more of a... That's fucking right, too, (laughs) baby. Dude, I'm serious. This is like... true. I I probably... And I don't feel guilt because I I have a strong relationship with God all the time. And you and I, Christina, we we agreed on the same thing one time. We were like, man, like, I don't even feel like reading scripture right now just because I... There's a there's a point like that's beyond that. I'm not saying and that people would be hearing me. It's oh my valid. god, you said you're beyond scripture. No, there's. I'm saying there's a point where you reach like man, like scripture right now is not gonna is not gonna satisfy my longing. Right. Like right. I need I need my father. Not, I don't right. need his I don't need his word. I need his face. You know, yeah. I need his presence. Right. I need his face. I, it's a big difference. It's you know, big so. deal. That's and that yeah, that's super huge. That's so huge to distinguish. Huge. Saying I'm yeah. Well, there's the scripture <laughs> where 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 God says it. You know, if they seek they seek my face, humble themselves, seek my face, and He's saying, I want deeper intimacy with you. I want to know you that that deep right. knowing. And, and I and I get it, but also we see in the life of Jesus, man, like He studied and studied and studied. It was you know obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, but His entire existence, His entire being. His entire mission was fueled only by those times where he got alone. He's like, man, I need to get with my father. It was in those times. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh, well, hey, go, hold on, y'all. Let me, uh, let me, let me search the Talmud, or you know, let me, let me get hit back with the scriptures. You know, it was, it was always, man, like an intimate time alone. Yeah, and and you know what? A lot of a lot of why I read scripture. So I, I've spent most of my life reading scripture. I was from womb to the pew and saved at an early age and read my Bible. I've sat in so many sermons and so many Sunday school classes and I've had scripture spoken over me. I've read it. I've preached it. I mean, just I've been bathed in scripture. And so I have a, a some foundational knowledge of scripture, but it's most of the time where I'm like, I'm pressing in, I'm seeking the father, I'm listening to his voice and something will hit me and I'm like, oh, that's good. It's so good. And then I think of a scripture. And then scripture and then, backs it And up, then I open know. the Bible and I look and I'm like, man, there it is. It's such a good story. Right. And then I'll teach from that place. But it's in the secret place where I'm engaging with the Father that he speaks that to me. And then I find it in scripture versus finding it in scripture. And then it's speaking to me. It's right. kind of, but man. I don't, but I don't feel, again, I don't feel guilty about that. I've also yeah. gotten to the point where I'm like, 
man, I haven't read the Bible all week, and I'm just like, well, no, and it, it's a, and it's certainly a good yeah. thing, you know, to to because you're exactly exactly right because sometimes like 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 now where you know Christy and I are talking about like uh, right now I don't I don't I don't I don't really like get into and dive in like I'll, I'll get into where like he tells me to be at, but for the most part, like when I was in Teen Challenge, that is all I did for like 16 months straight. I studied Scripture and that was it. But you know that didn't save me. It wasn't that wasn't the saving. No, I like I didn't find in scripture and be like, Oh my God, I'm saved and I'm drug free and I'm alcohol free. But you know, like, but those gave me like the, he always reminds you, you know what I mean? He just reminds you, brings it up. So there is a, a thing to say about foundational knowledge of scripture because he will always bring you back. Right. Well, and, and just to, maybe we don't need to dive much further into this, but scripture tells us about itself and how it's useful. For all scripture is God breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that every man is equipped for good works in Christ Jesus. So it's useful for these things. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus says, Man will not live on bread alone, but by every word, Rhema, that comes from the mouth of God. And he said, We will live, we'll find life from the words of God's mouth. Right, and that's a that's a speaking word. That's a spoken right. word because it's the same thing as existence. Right, he spoke existence into being, and so it speaks when he speaks. Yeah. Speaks the rhema. That's so an scrip- existence in our. So life. scripture has its place, but then God ultimately is the one who speaks to us in relationship through His Holy Spirit. Because it's true, of but you know what? I'll just I'll just say this on the flip side. Scripture is good. Like we're we're in no way saying scripture is not good, and. I oftentimes, the Lord will lead me to go read scripture and I'm Absolutely. delighted in it. Yes. You know what I mean? I hear God say, you need to go do this. Great. And it comes to life because he's in it. Mm-hmm. He's behind it. He's the one fueling that. Because the that. experience is right. fueling what you're reading. Exactly. Because he's telling you to do it, not exactly. because you're doing it because you feel like you should do exactly. it. He's telling you as a father, hey, why don't you like where I'm at right now, James? Ooh, tough, tough book. Tough book. Hey, Casey, why don't you go? When he says, Casey, read the book of James, I'm like, are you sure? Because I really don't want to go there anymore. You know, but it was, it was, but once he told me and I realized all the things in my life that are that are happening right now are like are like kind of emphasized by the things in James. I'm like, okay, man. But it's always the right thing at the right time. Right. You know? Well, just so going back to the sheet, the one on theology. So the category of theology, um, the heart of a slave or an orphan lives by the love of the law. Right. If I can just do what is right, then I'm good. But then the heart of a son lives by the the law of love, and so. I think with concerning theology, and I, there was a point in my life, and Kim can remind you of this, where I was like really diving into scripture, and I was trying to figure out where I stood on certain doctrinal issues, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna know where we stand, and I'm gonna be able to tell people why we stand there, and I was only searching scripture so I could figure out, so you could my, validate what so, you want, yeah, so right. I could give my black and white statement on how I feel about a certain issue. That is not why scripture was given to us. No. Right, and so I'm using scripture to essentially to puff myself up and say, "Well, I know where I stand on these theologies." Because apparently, as a Christian, you're supposed to know exactly where you stand on every single thing. And I got to the point That's where living as a son, come from. well, as a son living in freedom and saying, "You know what? I don't totally know." Yeah, and I don't have to know everything. And well, I'm then okay you can not say, knowing. "You can say I don't know." Let me go consult the Father. You know right. what I mean? You can you can say that. That's okay. Yeah, but I don't know always leads back to what did Jesus do about those issues. 
Mm-hmm. Always. It mm-hmm. always leads back to that. It always leads back to being a son. You know, always th- leads back I to that. I think that this goes also back if you see on this, uh, on the flip on the flip side. Sorry. Thank you. Um, on the flip side, it says um, vision. And uh, the heart of a slave or an orphan is um, spiritual ambition, the earnest desire for some spiritual achievement and distinction, and the willingness to strive for it, a desire to be seen and counted among the mature. And then the heart of a son on the other side is to daily experience the father's unconditional love and acceptance and then be sent as a representative of his love to family and others. Mm. I just think that's so that's good. the key. So know? why? So expand uh, on that my, just a little bit, well, Yeah, my mind frame is why, Christine, is why do we have – why is that so pertinent – like the, the spiritual ambition of the heart of a slave, uh, the earnest desire for spiritual achievement and distinct. Why is that different? You know what I mean? Like, why do we have that mentality? Cause that's a really tough one. Cause I saw, I mean, literally I struggle with that all the time. Okay. That the need from that, like the, the heart of, a, of, of, of just slave mentality and the heart of a son, like, man, and I, I'm wondering why that's such a hard issue. Like for, cause it's not just me. I mean, there's a lot of people that struggle with that. I think you know? most everybody does. And I think it, it, boils down to this this simple phrase are you a a pleaser of man or a pleaser of god and when we want to be seen as mature we want to be seen as having spiritual achievement and all of that and titles it is about elevating ourselves instead of elevating the lord and so when we elevate the lord and we want to be a pleaser of him we could be in the total darkness with nobody seeing us and be Having okay. great relationship yeah. with him and be totally fine with it and not have to be like, but wait, God told me this though. That's a good and litmus test right there. Yeah. That's I mean, a good litmus test. Is it okay for you to be in the back and nobody notice you? Mm. But and, I think, so for me, I grew up in, in church culture and some of my earliest memories in in this Baptist church I was a part of where there were there was the pastor and he was a guy up front and you respected and revered him and honored him and he's the pastor. And then there were deacons and the deacons were kind of the they were the the bad guys because, you know, we were kids in the back pew laughing and they would come and tell us to shut up and, you know, honor God and, you know, can't wear shorts next week. And so so just even at an early age, there's like these authority figures in the church. And then when I, I give my life to the Lord and I start going to this bigger church and, and you start seeing people who are able to like articulate the word and they give these really in-depth teachings and they move you and you're weeping and you're like, I want to be like that. And that's what happened to me is I saw a guy on stage, he's preaching the word. And I'm like, if I could just do that, I'll be good. And so I began to you think that, that if I could just achieve that, and it's that achievement, I'm somebody, I've made it, here I am. And the Lord gave me the opportunity to become a quote-unquote pastor, stand behind the pulpit, lead a church, and it's just kind of like... Was it everything you dreamed it would Certainly be? not. Okay. <laughs> Here's the difference, though. I mean, if we want to talk about the slave mentality versus the mentality of being a son, you look at spiritual authority as a triangle, as a... With the slave mentality, it's it's about higher authority being at the top and trickling down over the congregation and everything and yep. over people, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at the heart of a son, you do like God does and you it's inverted. It's the point is at the bottom and you lift people up. Mm-hmm. You go further down mm-hmm. the more maturity and more authority Ooh. you have as opposed to moving up. Oh, I don't like that. 
right? He who, he who knew no sin became sin, right? And got Jesus on his throne, left his throne, who he was rich, became poor so that we might become righteousness, right? It's exactly what it is. That's the gospel, that inverted triangle, the Father coming down instead of us trying to go right. up. And so even with our salvation, yeah. we try and achieve and yeah. strive to this higher point to be accepted and loved, and then even in our spiritual authority. But like even, I mean, even authority that you don't agree with, you're still lifting up because you're right. on the bottom. Right. Oh, man. Because you're building the kingdom and not your kingdom. Right. This isn't about building our own kingdom. It's about building the kingdom of God because it is His will and not our own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's submission to that. And it's... <laughs> It I'm sounds sure, so sure, harsh, like I'm this sure. submission, but it is so willing well, and like, yes, I want this. Like, that's what I want, you know? Yeah, I'm sure Jesus would, didn't agree with Pilate when he was putting him on the cross, you know what I'm saying? But still, what did he do? He submitted to that authority rather than calling down legions of angels to just like, you know. Annihilate him? Slay everybody. <laughs> right. But yeah, you know what? Yikes. He knew who he was. Under the Father, right. his because image he was, a was son. clear. Yes, and what right. happens? There's another one on here that I love that has to do with self-image. Self, um, a heart of a slave or an orphan is self-rejection from comparing yourself to others. Mm. But a heart of a son is positive and affirmed because you know you have such value to God. And when we find our image in who God has made us to be as His Son. And with his destiny that he has planned for us, instead of um, trying to fit into what somebody else is. Because right. like what you were talking about, Jason, about, um, you know, you see these guys, you aspire to be like them because they're so eloquent and they, they have it all together or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You're comparing yourself to other people and right. you're wanting to be their image, not the image oh. that, that God has for you, which is a reflection of him. Dang. Did you hear that rumbling sound? That was, was it, that was, was it, a wisdom bomb. Was it, the, was it the pillars? It was. Was it the pillars shaking? <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. It's the glory of the Lord filling the temple, bro. Yeah. No, and and that's a that's a good word. And you know, I fall into that all the time too. And you know, <clears throat> uh, just specifically like with my job and and I compete, you know, all over the United States, like climbing trees. But I had a really good mentor, you know, to me who I wanted to be like. You know, I wanted to be that. That's what I wanted to be like. Whatever he was and. Uh, because he was a good mentor. He didn't want me to be like him, but like, I just, I see that in my mentality, but <clears throat> I realized that once I stopped trying to be that, and I only was being and flowing with what I was meant to be in that purpose. So I'm just, I'm only bringing this up, not to, to say I, I climb trees because I do climb trees and I love climbing trees. You wanted to slip that in there. <laughs> I did want to slip it. No, but it's because it, all these things translate into my, into my spiritual life too. And like, <clears throat> man, like looking at other people, but like when we flow and we like let go of, other people and where our predecessors or whatever, even our predecessors, right? The people right. that, that we, that we are under, you know, because there is a mentorship that happens, but I, oftentimes we, we, when we're immature, we, we look at our mentors and that's what we need to be. Right. But once exactly. we break free from that and really start flowing in what we're supposed to be, right. Which is, yeah. and we, and we're comfortable with process and we're comfortable with growth because a, a son is born and then a son grows up and eventually the son of God becomes a man of God. Right. And right. so there's this process of growth, but you're yes. growing into what you're supposed to be, right. not what, what not what other people have framed for right. you. And so if you read, if you read First and Second Timothy, you get an image of the Apostle Paul, who a lot of people want to strive to be. If I can just be like Paul, well, you have destiny in this time in this place that the Lord's given you. Yeah. Work that out. You're not yeah. Paul. However, 
So Paul took Timothy under his wing, and he was a spiritual son to him. Um, there's that dynamic. But when you read those letters to Timothy, he affirms him, and he says, "Fan into the flame the gifting that you received that you've when we been la- given. Yeah, yeah, that you've been given. We laid hands on you, and you know, remember what who you are and what you've been, and don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. I mean, he's speaking to his identity as a son of God, the way that God has gifted him and called him and given him a role to the body of Christ. And so it's not like Paul was saying, well, you need to be everything that I was. No, he's recognizing in him and then saying, Bro, you you're going to be built gifts, up to man. that. Yeah, yeah you, right. you're doing this, so then, not me. So then <laughs> what he was doing is he was giving Timothy the freedom to be who God made him to be and not saying, you need to be exactly like I was. Right, but he was still reproducing in that moment. And so we, rep- we reproduce after our own kind, but it's still the same entity coming from the same kind because Christ was the first fruits, right? So we're reproducing after our own kind. So our image is Christ, but yeah. it's also our own identity within Christ. He's reproducing sons. <sighs> it's true, but I want to I want to talk about discipleship really quick with Paul and Timothy in that Paul never said you be like me. He said he always like pointed Christ. he always pointed him to Jesus. He didn't try to raise another Paul. He didn't do that. And that's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is leading people to Christ, always pointing them back, right? And it has nothing to do with somebody coming and looking like a mini Kim that also, but Kim looked like Christ. And so it flows down. That's not what it is. It is about always pointing to Jesus because it's about the son of God. It's not son of Kim and it's not the son of Jason, right? Right. right. Yeah. It's good. good. Um, I wanted to talk real quick about view of admonition because that one kind of hit me and I had a, had an instance this weekend. Kim and I, we, we had a really intense conversation on Sunday. We don't have to go into detail, but essentially what, how, how she ended up encouraging me in all of this was exactly uh, what this has to say. So the heart of a slave or an orphan will view admonition. Um, they'll have difficulty receiving admonition. Uh, you must be right. So you easily get your feeling hurt and close your spirit to discipline. So the heart of a slave closes off and they're offended when someone points out a wrong. And so then the heart of a son sees admonition. Um, They see the receiving of admonition as a blessing and need in your life so that your faults and weaknesses are exposed and put to death. That's right. And so that's an act of grace. So if someone essentially calls you out or brings something to light and says, look, you're kind of a jerk sometimes, yeah. right? I've had that said to me before. Um, I've said Maybe it. not in those words, but... Oh, I've said it. I'm sure you have, with, yeah. With a couple other words that tagged on. To uh-huh, yeah, but it, it only hurts when it comes from people I truly love. Oh, so, okay. so <laughs> there, There's the kicker. No wonder you never listened to me. That's right. <laughs> so it's interesting because, I, you know, there were times where people would accuse me of things, and... I mean, it's easy to get offended. It's easy to want to brush it off and say, well, that's not how I am. But then actually take that accusation to the Lord and say, Lord, is this true? Or is this not true? If it is true, well, then show me. I would, I don't want to be like that anymore. If I'm a jerk to people, I don't want to be a jerk anymore. Yeah. But the heart of a slave gets offended and was just like, they're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. And, and they push that off. Yeah. And to be to be frank and to be real uh, with a, an example of that in my life, which Pastor Jeff and I just had uh, met, met up before this. And I was just telling him about like, you know, Jill's Jill. One, t- one time Jill said to me, you know, she's just talking about how like in arguments or whatever, like a manipulative that I'm very she's like, I can't really argue with you because you're very good with words. 
words and and this and this and that. And then I started thinking about. I was like, no, no, you know. But then I started thinking about it, and I started thinking about you know, uh, gifted in words of knowledge and, and in prophecy, right? But those gifts are irrevocable, and so they can be used to suit any purpose. Right. They're still gifts. And so I was looking at that, and I got really terrified actually because I was like, wow, I've been using a gift of God with words and with you know truth and things like that right. to twist things into mm. what I want them to be. And so right there, I'm just I'm just only throwing that example out because like it's a deep example. <laughs> like I'm really was really getting wrecked by the Lord recently, like including today, yeah. like thirty minutes before this. So, but it, yeah, but it's it it is truly the love of the Father, and it's the grace of the Father to His children that He would use those closest to Him to reveal those faults or flaws or sins or heart issues to bring them to light to then bring healing right. so that you're no longer like that. Exactly. And so that he exposes your heart and heals it. Exactly. Right. Because everything that's illuminated becomes a light, man. Right. Because it's no longer in darkness. You can't There's, thrive on darkness. It only thrives it's on such light. a It's such a better place, the heart of a son. Because then you see everything in your life with purpose. There's nothing that's Even just, discipline, man. Discipline, like, because... If you if you're not disciplined, you're an illegitimate son. You know what I mean. Right. But he disciplines those he loves. If you if you're being disciplined, you are a son of God, right? Right. Ouch. That's good. That wasn't me, by the way. That was right scripture that we don't read anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So so another I'm one kidding. that jumped out to me was source of comfort. And so the heart of a slave or an orphan seeks comfort in counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness. Yikes. I'm not busy. Hyper-religious activity. But then the heart of a son seeks times of quietness and solitude to rest in the Father's presence and love. And Mm. I'm the first person that will get home, and all I want to do is turn on the TV and zone out. Netflix, baby. And so right there, I'm just like, gosh, I'm not finding my pleasure in the Father. I'm finding my pleasure and busy. What can I do? I was telling, um, so there's a girl named Aaron Michael who's living with us temporarily right now. And, uh, and I was telling her that even on days of rest, I have a hard time resting. And most of the time I'm laying on the couch, not doing anything, but I'm thinking about the things that it I could do or should resting, do. Yeah. Right. So I'm think I'm busy in my mind thinking about things. I could be busyness while I'm laying on the couch. Suppose so I'm supposed to be striving. I'm st- right. Rest. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. See, God set it up for us in such a beautiful way. This is why I'm uber passionate about uh, Sabbath is because God is the one who like said, you have to do this. <laughs> and I now look so forward to Sabbath. In fact, my dad was saying, so are you excited about uh, dinner on Friday? I'm like, I'm excited for every Friday night. That's like Sabbath. It's my favorite. Now I that's what I, I want. It's like I can't wait for Sabbath where I can just wait and rest in the Lord. And so that ties into, um, oh, where is it? Need for approval. So strive for the praise of approval and acceptance of man as a slave, but the heart of a son, totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. And so having... Being the person that you are, the ministry that you're in, and having the uh, the demands on your life that you have, and then saying, no, I'm going I'm to have Sabbath. And so starting at sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night, mm-hmm. you are saying no mm-hmm. to man right. and saying yes to God, and it doesn't faze you. Well, I mean, it's not always easy 
here's what happens. Right. God disciplines me when I when I give into that. Because I'll have times where I'm like, well, but they really need this. And so then I'll just do it. And when that happens, I'm telling you, God takes me out. And I know that sounds silly um, because, you know, he lets the enemy mess with me so I will have to rest in him. And it is so good. And then I'm like so thankful because I never really wanted to do the other stuff anyway. Mm. Because truthfully, it isn't if I do give up anything Sabbath, now I don't want to. It's like if I'm doing it, it's I feel terrible about it the whole time. And it's not because it's a rule. It's because I want that quiet place. I want to be with God. I need so desperately to be with Him. And so I know it's strange, but I take like... I go to the bathroom and I'm like, I'm locking this door and I don't care if they're screaming mom at me. I am having Jesus time right now. Like this is, I have to have time where it's just me and the Lord and I can engage with him and really be in that place. Cause I can't, I can't keep doing it all the time with everybody with their demands on me. And I feel like Jesus in that way where he escaped into the mountain and he, he went into these places just to get away. And then he'd be like, all right, come on, make you breakfast. Yeah. You know? And then the disciples are like, everyone's looking for you. Yeah. And he's like, well, I, I basically knew they were. That's why I went and hit. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, and that's another, and that's another lesson I've been learning too. Like I, I mean, every morning I get up, well before I need to be at work because I know, you know what I mean? If I don't center, if I don't, I meditate. I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm going to read some scripture and pray. Like I do, I do nothing, but just like I, I get a cup of coffee. I sit there on the couch. I do nothing but listen and look at the sunrise, man. And that's that time with him. You know what I mean? Because if I don't do that, then everything else, all, everything, the balance, everything is going to be thrown off. And it's very right. important to me as well. And I yes. mean, I, mean, I can feel it. it's like a tangible thing. You're like, man, I am just so like out of it or like just angry all the time. You know, like oh, I don't yeah. get that time. But isn't it exciting to be with your dad? I mean, this is absolutely. I was thinking about my dad called me today, and uh, it's been a long time since he came to my house, and um, he just goes, "Hey, I got off work a little early. Can I come over?" And I'm like, "Yes, I will make time for you." I don't know how, but it's happening. And so he came over. I was so excited to see my dad. And uh, I feel like that's what a son has to be like with the Lord, yeah. where it's not an obligation. It's like, yeah. oh, he's and trying I, to ask me to come visit him again. No, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah please and come I need, over. And I need to meditate on that right there because like every time I come home, like today I came home from work and uh, I, I got in. I, there's a little, there's like a little railing where my couch sits upstairs. And like the, we have a little, we have the little landing down there where I get in. And like So I came inside and I sat down. I was like, oh my God, I took my boots off. And then, then Jill, I heard Jill go, so he goes, hey daddy, look up here. And I looked over and my son's peeking down at me. And he's just like huge smile, like just waiting for me to come up this year. He's just like, oh my God. You know, just like, I need yeah, to meditate on home. that. Yeah. I need yeah. to meditate on being like that with the father. Yeah. Yes, that's that's so good. So one of the other ones that I think leads into this, it talks about the sense of God's presence. So the heart of a slave thinks um, God's presence is conditional or it's distant. In the heart of a son, it says he there's close and intimate presence of God. And really that's, you know, I've, I've come a long way. And, and I was having a conversation with somebody one time, and, and we were talking a little bit about this. It's like, why do people, 
you know, why do people feel like God is so far away? And, and why do people feel like only on Sunday mornings that God can, or that only on Sunday mornings can people really experience the presence of God and this and that? And, and it's because, well, we've been trained to think that, you know, I remember thinking I need to go to church because I needed the presence of God. But nobody told me that I could get in the closet or hit my knees or close my eyes and and turn in to the spirit, mm. the father in me, right? Nobody taught me those things. And so the heart of a, a slave or an orphan is just like, well, you know, I've got to do this thing to get close to God, right? And and I've got to, you know, it, and there are certain things I think you steps you can take, mm-hmm. but where where I function now, and I know Christine and, and Kim, they function in this place too, is, I mean, literally in an instant, you can turn into the spirit and the father's here yeah, and you realize that and you know that and presence just whoosh, it just floods in like, like a, like water it just floods in because you know, because that's where you're at. You yeah. know that there's no striving. There's no, you just Lord and then boom, he's there. Yeah. And it's really interesting to draw the parallel here between the old Testament and the new Testament, because before Jesus, when they said, Jesus teach me how to pray, uh, before, if you could, if you read all the Hebrew texts, all the Hebrew commentaries through the Talmud, through all of that, you will you will see zero instance of them referring to him as father. As father, and right. then they and then they came to Jesus said, "Teach me how to pray." And he said, and the first thing he said mm-hmm. is "Father." And then right, right before the right before the uh, the episode, I mean, uh, Christine was teasing around, but we we were talking about the veil was torn, and so that that the old mentality, the new mentality, right? So orphan to son, like right father, right? That it was yeah. never before. It was never before mm-hmm. Father. You well, know what I mean? Until yeah. until until well, Jesus came along and said it's okay. To, and for, so then He gave the authority right there. You are you're able to go to the Father like Abba, not even just Father like Dad, like Abba, like a really really caring, Daddy. And really Daddy. really yeah. Daddy, really intimate, really intimate way to call a Father a yeah. Father. Well, if you if you think about the the temple sacrifice and the day of atonement. Right. And exactly all of the things that needed to happen exactly perfect, all the way up to the point to going through the veil and entering the Holy of Holies. Which is what I was just about to say, which is, okay, I have to go to church to get to, we have to go to the tabernacle. Yeah. We still have that mentality. Exactly. Yeah. We look at the old Testament. We don't think it's relevant, but it's relevant. And we are Israel. We are those straight up or were. Yeah. Art, or Kim, did you have something? Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the eyes got real wide. She's like, "Wait a second, no, I don't." <laughs> but I am interested in what you have to say about um, the closeness of the Father. So the sense of God's presence. Tell me how you you experience that, just as a as a daughter, as a son, knowing that the Father is close and intimate. Well, as you were talking, I was just thinking about the scripture that says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, right? And I have drawn near to him, and so he is drawn near to me. And so for me, I mean, it says the kingdom of God is at hand. He's He's right there with me. It is, where is your hand? It's right here. It's right in front of my face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really what was going through my mind when we we're talking about this. Like, I have drawn near. I I haven't retreated and neither has he. He's still right here. You know what I mean? It's this promise he's made. It's a, pro- it's a pro- proclamation of truth. Right. That, that's what he said. Draw me, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Standing on truth rather than, uh, well, 
I'm sin, so therefore he's far away. Yeah, I mean that's that was the mentality that I had for years and years and years. And you know, I I would say I gave my life to the Lord when I was like 14, and I would say it wasn't until maybe I was like 28 years old that I truly understood grace. Mm-hmm. So I had this 14 year journey as a believer with one foot in, one foot out, because I felt like every time that I went out and got drunk or did something I wasn't supposed to do, that God had left. And then I had to like do something to get back. Mm. And so, so then the longer I didn't drink, the closer I felt to the father. Total was slave. Was that truth or like lie? I don't know. Was, was that lie. just a feeling of closeness or well, was it true closeness? I mean, sin. Yeah. When you have sin in your life, you, you fall away from closeness to the father, but I, he's, he was always right there whenever, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I was truly ready to turn back to the father and, and I hit my knees and I began to pray, he was always right there meeting me. He's like, oh, oh so he was, he had never I've left, been waiting, man. Hmm? He's like, I've been waiting, dude. Like, oh yeah. I have to tell you about what happened i won't tell you all the details but um, Darn. about a month ago i went through a really crazy experience and i had um three days where i felt very separate from the presence of god and um it was strange for me because i don't go through that usually <laughs> and um i remember just pressing in and just being like i need you i need you i need you and and it was painful to go there and to try. And it was certainly striving. And finally, um, I got to this place where Jesus took me to um, the Father's house. And this is, you know, in the heavenly places, you can engage now. You don't have to wait till you're dead to go to the heavenly places. Ephesians 2 says we're seated already with Christ in the heavenly places. But anyway, so I was I was engaging at the Father's house, um, and there was a banqueting table and I've been here many times. This is somewhere where I go a lot to do communion. And I was with Jesus and with Father. And and I was like, oh, I can't believe I can be here. And he just said, this is a place where you can always come. You are never not allowed to come here. Mm. And mm. it was so, I mean, so all I did for those three days is I just was like communion, communion, communion all the time at the Father's house at the at the banqueting table just because it was all I could do, but it's all I cared about was to be in his presence. And it was just such a good word to me to know, like, I will I will never, ever be at a place where I'm cast out. I will never be at a place where I can't get to his house Yeah, because it's my house. And he showed me that he is, it's not just his house. He's given that house to me as mm-hmm. his son. Yeah. And it's now my house. Even when I say it's father's house, it's really yeah. my house. It's my father's it's, house. It's, it goes back to prodigal. Our mentality, uh, I don't deserve that. So I've got to serve in my father's house before it can be my house. And it's like, dude, servants don't become sons, but sons do become servants. And so <clears throat> in that mentality, I guess sometimes we think like exactly what we're talking about. Like I have to, but man, it was yeah. never denied. And bro, actually like he came out running full speed you know and that to me is like one of the most beautiful depictions and authority and royalty and uh fat calves and you know just partying man like it wasn't it wasn't ever anything else like there was no depiction of like well you know let me talk to you about what you did wrong and how we can avoid that in the future and this and this and that it was like no we're (laughs) 
bro, we're partying, bro. We're partying. <laughs> right. You know? And so, you know, yeah. we don't have to talk about that like it is so far away. Like it's just something, it's not, yeah. wow, what a good story. You know, right now we are welcomed at Father's house yeah. and he has created this banquet and you are not, I'm not kidding, Kim and I, we have been to some freaking crazy parties in heaven. Like seriously, I know it sounds weird, Jeff. but he does that. Damn. He does that, and it's like Come on crazy back. feast yeah. Come and, on back. and communion wine. And I mean, it's I know that's a little strange to think or, or talk about, but is that not in his character? Mm-hmm. Have we not read that in the in that same right. thing that you were talking about? Yeah. That is for real for us now. And we don't have to say, oh, man, what a cool story. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just, no, just go to the Father's house? Just come on back. Right. Just come on back. That's what he's saying right now. Come you. Yeah, Jesus... In Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone will open and let me in, I'll come in and I'll dine with them. Well what, with well, what is the practical application of that? Well, it just figuratively. No, it doesn't figuratively mean anything. It means that Jesus wants to dine with you. And Scripture says, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast. Mm. Right? You know what Jesus mm. does at parties, bro? He reclines. That's what it says. Every descriptive passage. That's my favorite descriptive passage. He turns water into wine and gets people lit. He turns water to wine and then he reclines, dude. (coughs) Spear lit. (laughs) Lit on the spirit. Spear lit. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. Christine, I wanted you to to turn what you just said about your experience into a word for those that are listening. So – no doubt there are people who are listening who have experienced some of what um, we talked about, the these mentalities of an orphan and a slave. And there's no doubt that they'll download the PDF and, and look at that slave column and, and resonate with some of that thought process. And so what what would you say to people who are still experiencing that and looking at this PDF and saying, yeah, this is – that I I have had a slave mentality. What's next for them? You know, what I tell people to do is just what I would do, okay? So take it or leave it, test it with the Lord. But what I would do is I would go and I would ask Jesus to take you to the Father. And I would say, just repent. Repent of those bad mindsets. Everything that you have taken that are these mindsets, break every agreement you've made with the enemy to to have this false identity. Because this false identity is not from God. He has this true, wonderful, amazing identity for you as a son, and you want to partner with that. And so repent, and you need to just say, hey, I know because I'm coming with Jesus that I'm actually not guilty. And so just receive that you're not guilty when you come to him as guilty. Because you'll look at this sheet and you'll go, oh, man, I suck. Oh, man, this is just terrible. I, I'm like, you just go through it and you have so much condemnation if you are not going and and actually bringing it to God and trading it in for a son mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. So I say, don't wait. Don't think that you have to wait until you're dead to become a son. You know, just say, hey, I know I'm a son now because you've adopted me and I want to be yours and I want to walk with you like a son and start to grow in that and learn who you are. And, you know, at first it takes a while, but as you grow in maturity, he gives you more responsibility and you start to know that you're a son. Mm -hmm. You know, the more responsibility he gives you, 
you start to function as a son and not just go, yeah, well, I know that somehow I'm related to God, so that's cool. You know, you you go, wow, I know that God would be proud of what I'm doing because yeah. I'm doing it with Him. Yeah. And you know, Jesus said, I only see what I I only do what I see the Father doing. Right. And so the only way to do that is to step through the veil and to look, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and say, I want to see you. I want to see your face. Right. Right. Kim, what do you have to say to those listening? I was just going to I was just going <laughs> to add to what Chris said and I was going to just encourage people that, that you don't have to wait to have some certain posture to do this either whether you're driving down the road or on a treadmill or doing the dishes whatever you're doing you can focus your mind and your spirit there yes. and go through all of this you don't have to wait until Sunday morning when everything is just right and there's a quiet time during while they're passing the bucket <clears throat> You know what I mean? You don't have to wait for some perfectly opportune time because there will not be a perfectly opportune time um, anytime because like we were talking about before, you're already there. He's right there with you. You have drawn near. He will draw near. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, don't feel discouraged that you have to wait. Do it now. Go take this to him. Leave it with him. That's important too. And then start walking in the freedom of being a son. Yeah, leave it. Right. Leave it. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- yeah. I just want to talk real quick about. Um, well, two things. Um, Christine, give me the that uh, that book. Is it Brother Lawrence practicing the presence? The practice of the presence. The practices of, of the presence. Will you still recommend that book? Of course. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. Good one. Right? Yeah. So I'm gonna. It's I'll put free the, too. I'll put the link down in the PDF or yeah, the PDF link to that book down in the in the show notes along with this PDF as well. Because yeah, I just thought about that because PDF Kim was talking days. about you don't you don't have to like assume a posture like Brother Lawrence was washing dishes, engaging with the Lord, you know. So. Um, I just want to reference uh, Philippians, I think it's four, where it talks about um, don't be anxious about anything, right? But it says with prayer and thanksgiving and petition. And so just talking real quick about a petition, if anyone's ever asked you to sign a petition, it's because they see something that's wrong and they see a new thing that needs to come to combat that old way, that old law. They need a new law. Right. And so then they get all these people to agree on it and they submit it to a court. The court makes a ruling and decides whether or not the old law needs to go out and the new law needs to come in. And so essentially what you're doing when you're coming to the Lord and bringing this stuff is you're petitioning and you're saying, look, this is the way it was, this slave orphan column. That's how it used to be. I'm petitioning you, Father, and I'm submitting that these things no longer be the case. And so I don't want to exist under this law anymore. Right, the law of death, the law of sin and death. We're under the law of the spirit of life and peace. And so then we can say, Okay, Lord, I petition you, I ask that you change this, and he will. He will rule in your favor and say, Absolutely, because mm-hmm. this this is his will and this is how he governs. Man, I don't uh I don't know who you are, but I just really <laughs> I just I feel the Lord keep bringing it back to, to, to come on home, you know. Son, 
you know, whoever you, I don't, I don't know who needs to hear that or why you need to hear it. I don't yeah. care. It doesn't matter. I don't care how much, how many years you spent in the pigsty because brother, I'm right there with you. You know, I just keep hearing him say the same thing. The Lord's house. Oh, if I could uh, go to the Lord's house, the Lord's house is your house, brother. You know, and Jesus has prepared a spot for us. He said it. That's, that's what he was telling the disciple. Hey man, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. And, and man, I'm telling you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so I don't know who needed to hear that, but honestly, man, like the Lord's really just, just laying that on you. Man. That'll make someone pull the car over. Yeah, come the on. father says, son, yeah, come just, on. Just come on home. <laughs> but, but this and this and man, come on home, man. Cause we're about to party. Seriously. It's it, so it, good. It, it is good, man. It is good. So I don't know who you are, but man, rest in that. Come on, do it. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yeah, man, this is a good one. I really like this one. I really enjoyed it. You know, my wonderful wife. So good to have you on. Thanks, Christine. My wonderful, (laughs) my wonderful sister-in-law. Thank you. My sister in the Lord. Sisterin. Sisterin and brethren. (laughs) Brethren. That's good stuff. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Always remember check out saltydogspodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Salty Dogs Cast. Check out our Patreon page where you can help support the podcast and have access to exclusive content. Yeah, and hit us How up. How about that? Hit us up. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Salty Dogs Podcast. Hit us up. And hit us up. And hit us up. And maybe you'll hear your name. Maybe you shut up. Maybe. All right. <laughs> okay, bye now.